With your souls, I shall rule for all of eternity, and your, your souls, souls are mine. <laughs>
Uh, it's called The Balance. When did that come out? Uh, this came out on the 26th. Okay. So, from when we were recording, it came out two days ago. Okay. Um, so, they're a Welsh band, um, but I, I gave that one a 10, 10 of 10 Stephanie's. I really liked that album. And then my final one actually is super relevant to go, what's going on today. It is For the Throne, music inspired by the HBO series Game of Thrones. Okay. Um, so this also came out on the 26th. So this album was essentially just a big collaborative piece um, between a ton of different artists. And they're all the songs are inspired in some way by, you know, Game of Thrones. Um, some of the artists that are on here... Um, the big single that's come off of it is a song called Power is Power, and it's Travis Scott, The Weeknd, and SZA. And then um, there's songs by The National, there's a song by Matt Bellamy from Muse, there's a song by Lumineers. They have country sounds, they have rock sounds, they have the hip-hop. It's it's a really fun album. Okay. I actually pre-ordered this before it came out. I pre-ordered the vinyl, and I won't get it until July. <laughs> cool. Yeah, so uh, those are my... Oh, uh, this one I gave nine Stephanies. Nine Stephanies. Nine Stephanies. Okay. So, Steph, what are we drinking today? So, this week we are finishing off the beer that I actually brought from Kentucky. Um, so, this might be a little old. Fair warning for you <laughs> right now. Um, this is the West 6th IPA. So, this place is in Lexington, Kentucky. And I actually came across it on that trip that uh, our former guest Hannah and I took to go see the Foo Fighters. That time when we w drove all the way to Kentucky, checked into our hotel, and found out the concert was canceled about 10 minutes later. Yeah, that trip. So, yeah, we ended up hanging out here. This is a 7% IPA. So, uh, buckle up, because the shampoo effect's going to hit real hard in a minute here. Um... I'm trying to think, this is not just so you're aware. This is like more of a hoppy, yeah, West Coast style rather than a New England. Um, but we can give some more flavor descriptors when we crack it open. Yeah, this can's kind of busy. Um, nothing like super cool on it. It does say on the top why a can. Better for the beer. Better for a planet. Better on the go. Um, and that's really the only like interesting thing. Like the yeah, the craft logos on here. Yeah. Which, as Stephanie mentions, every episode is pretty much on every beer. Here we go. It smells dank. It is dank. It, uh, I would almost say, like, this, it smells, like, loud. That's the only word I can think of to describe it. It's pretty, it's not as dank as it smells, though. No. Alright, so let me read you some quick facts on this. Um, the hops in here, there's Cascade, Centennial, Columbus, and Citra. You can definitely taste the Cascade. Citra, not as much. I think I don't, really get, I don't get the Citra as much. I don't either. I like it. It's kind of hard to discern some of the flavors in here, though. Yeah. Like, it's very... You said it, like, smells loud, but it also tastes loud. Yeah. So it's like... There's a lot, I feel like, going on. Yeah, there's, hard to, like, there's a lot in here. There's... One, two, three. There's five malts, four hops, and they list the yeast that they use too. So yeah, I mean it's hoppy, it's bitter. It's I mean it's good. I get a floral taste yeah. to it. I get piney. I don't get pine in this. Yeah, 
It's got like a little bit of grassiness to yeah. it. I think that's Maybe a lot. That's what. Yeah. I'm teasing. Um. Oh, I'm an idiot. I'm reading this, and it literally says pine needles. So, pine. Yep. That's uh, what you're supposed to taste. Whether or not I do, I don't know. But I mean, I like it. Yeah, I like this a lot. It's not crushable by any means. Oh no. God, no. All right. Words for this beer before you get sidetracked. Um, I get a bit of a like. I'm trying to put my finger on what kind of citrus I get. Maybe like a tangerine flavor almost. I don't get. I'm really not tasting much citrus. It's more on the front end. Oh, I get hit no, with a I little bit of citrus. Get, I did just get it. Uh, it's very mild citrus. Yeah, it's, it's not, not like, very. It's not like in your face. I think it's because it's the citrus, not the main flavor. Yeah, of it. I don't know what kind of orange citrus that is. It's one of those. It's, it's, it's an, an orange. orange. <laughs> it's an orange. Citrus. Some kind of orange. <laughs> um, all right, I'm gonna say floral, piney. I don't want to say loud because it's not descriptive, but like a hoppy. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, I was gonna say dank. Yeah. Because it's like, those are some dank hops. Um, I was gonna do the, I was gonna say grassy, and there's a little bit of a sweetness to it. Like, when you think about the citrus, yeah. there's a little bit of a sweetness to it. Also, according to their description, it's also supposed to have like peach in it, and I, I don't taste I don't peach. get that. I think that's just like the sweetness, though, Maybe. that I get. Now that we've talked about the beer, um, let's get into today's topic. Um, I think this is one we've been looking forward to doing for a pretty long time, and we've talked about doing, since we started this show, we've talked about yep. doing this episode. We have talked a lot about doing this. And it's taken until now for us to do it. Um, so when you listen to this episode, this episode comes out, we just looked May 12th, mm-hmm. um, it will have just happened, um, May 7th. 1999 was the release of The Mummy. I don't know why you built that up. <laughs> um, and was, if, you, if you know us, follow any of our social media, saw and saw our trip to Florida. Yeah, we, we love The Mummy. We love The Mummy. <laughs> As evidenced by riding the ride 16 times in well, one weekend. I think um, that's kind of why we wanted to do this episode so bad, I think, was because we rode that ride so many times, and we were like, we should do an episode about this, and then we yeah. saw it was going to be the big anniversary, yep. so we thought it'd be fun. Yeah. So, Steph, do you want to give um, some background? Yes. Um, I do want to say that this episode, we're just going to talk about the first movie. Yes. We'll probably at a later point come back and do more of the franchise as a yeah. whole, but for today we just really wanted to focus on the first one since it's the anniversary of that one. The anniversary and it's obviously our favorite. <laughs> yeah. So uh unobjectively unobjectively the best one. Yeah. So um this actually this movie has a really interesting background. Okay. Like it got shifted it took them like six years to even find a director. Like it kept getting picked up and then dropped. Um, so the idea came from James Jacks, who um, is a film producer working for Universal, and Sean Daniels. Um, so they actually, you probably know them, some of their other movies they worked on, they actually both worked together on Dazed and Confused. Okay. So that's where they kind of got some leverage they decided um they wanted to redo the 1932 version of the mummy okay um universal gave them the go ahead but they said they wanted to um try to create this low budget horror 
movie. They were trying to like play with this. So this was in 92. They were trying to build a horror franchise. Like okay. how they're trying to do the Dark Universe now. Yeah. They were trying to do a low budget version back in the early 90s. So they only had $10 million to work on with this film. Wow, okay. When it, when it first a... was being discussed. Okay. So first they brought on Clive Barker, who was actually the director of Hellraiser. And he worked on Underworld, which obviously is later than this. Um, and the movie, well, I guess series of movies, uh, Candyman, is based off of one of his horror novels. Um, so he was brought on to write and direct. Originally, the film was going to be like super violent, and it was going to revolve around the head of a contemporary art museum who turns out to be a cultist trying to reanimate mummies. Okay. So very different, obviously, yeah. than what we know of today. So uh, Barker and Universal both lost interest and both parted from the project at that point. Um, next, they brought on Joe Dante, who was the director of Gremlins, okay. to work on this. And his idea was like a Daniel Day-Lewis-type brooding mummy character. Um, and it actually was... That storyline was written and then rewritten. And then um, it was going to be a story set in like modern times and based around um, a love story with some kind of relation to... Reanim- uh, I don't know what I wrote. Sorry, no, this, that's not the right word. It's got it. I must have meant to say reanimation. Okay. Oh no, reincarnation. That makes sense. Because I guess that's fair. They bring that in the last. Oh, time. they do. That's true. Okay, so it kind of evolved that way. And but the reason that they that story got rejected is because the budget would have been fifteen million instead of ten. So Universal okay. said no. Um, next, George Romero, who did uh, Night of the Living Dead and Creepshow, was brought on. And he created a story about a female archaeologist and the discovery of the tomb of Imhotep. The, uh, the story is that he was an Egyptian general living in the time of Ramses II. So the idea was going to be that Imhotep was going to be awoken as the result of his cadaver being exposed to MRI rays. Okay. In like a scan in a high-tech forensic archaeology type lab. And the story was going to be about him trying to adapt to contemporary society and that the archaeologist eventually falls in love with him. Okay. And he was supposed to be, like, super attractive. And um, he was going to revive one of his slaves who then goes on, like, a killing rampage in New York City. Okay. And they actually said that the movie was just too dark and inaccessible, so they scrapped that version. Okay. Um, Next, they brought on... Well, they offered it to Mick Garris, who did Critters and Critters 2 and Freddy's Nightmare TV show, and they offered it to Wes Craven, and both of them turned it down, because you've got to remember it was going to be a horror movie at the time. Yeah. And then Stephen Summers, who is the the guy we know as the director of this movie, called them up and pitched the idea of an Indiana Jones-type adventure movie with the mummy being the villain and, like, causing all these problems... And Universal liked the idea so much that they not only hired him immediately, they gave him $80 million to make this movie. Got it. It's wild that it went, like, from being a horror. Yeah. Which makes sense, because, like, the original Mummy was a horror. Yeah. And then into this Indiana Jones-style, yeah. like, adventure movie. Mm-hmm. Um, which we know and love today. Yeah. Um, it's. I just thought it was really interesting to see how the story kind of evolved yep. and changed, and, like, how some of the stuff still continued on. Yeah. Like, they kept some of the self-story elements through all the different versions that it came through. Yeah. 
Um, so while we're on the topic, though, why don't we go through just a quick plot summary for those of you that have not seen it? Yeah, I'd hope you've seen it. I, this I mean, movie if you is haven't, great. It's on Netflix. Go see it. It is on Netflix. Go I forgot. It. That's where we watched go it. Go watch it. But all right. So um, Rick O'Connell, American Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser. Um, he's an adventurer, and he travels to Hamanoptera, which is the city of the dead, mm-hmm. in Egypt. In Egypt, um, it's like this mythical city that no one believed actually existed. It's like supposedly made of. It's like where they all the pharaohs hid their gold yeah. after they died. Like where the richest of the Egyptians were buried. Yep. And so he travels with a librarian, that's Evelyn, and her brother Jonathan. And they accidentally awaken Imhotep, a cursed high priest from the reign of Pharaoh Sete I. And Imhotep tries to resummon his love from that time, and he just causes a bunch of problems. He's got to reanimate himself, and uh, hijinks ensue. Yep. Um, there's mummy chases in. There's mummy chases. There's, there's like plagues. weird bug things going on. Oh, there's scarabs. There's. There's tons of there's fucking there's tons of quotable jokes. <laughs> oh, there's some good ones. Um, yeah, go watch it if you haven't. Yeah. So now that we've done that, let's get into some discussion points. Yeah. Um, what is your favorite moment or one of your favorite moments in the movie? Okay, so I have a lot. I mean, obviously, you, you sat next to me as I quoted almost the entire thing. Yeah, it's true. Um, there is a scene after the boat that they're on burns down where um, everyone's like swimming out of the water mm-hmm. and O'Connell, um, Evie and Jonathan are on like one side of a river and Benny, who is like leading the Americans that they are like racing to get to Hamanoptera against, um, are is on the other side of the river and Benny and like background. Benny, Benny and Rick um, saw Hamanoptera together. They saw Hamanoptera, yeah. And they know each other and like Benny screwed him over. Yeah. Um, so Benny yells, hey, O'Connell looks to me like I got all the horses. Um, and then O'Connell goes, Hey, Benny, looks to me like you're on the wrong side of the river. <laughs> and, and he like looks around and just like kicks the water and walks away. Yeah. There's something about that scene, the way he says river, that just always cracks me up. Yeah. Also, Benny getting thrown over the side of that boat. Oh, that's a really good one. They just like throw him over the side of the boat. <laughs> yeah. Um, he gets thrown so many times. I know, and that's it's why it's so funny. watching Malort shot every time. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Um, I think my favorite moment is when, um, the mummy, like, screams in Rick's face, and then he screams back at it. <laughs> and that's a the thing they carried on into the, the other movies, is yeah. like, because everyone was so obsessed with it, but the first time it happens when they're in the tomb mm-hmm. is so funny. Also, just anytime he just like, screams, is he screams hilarious. So many he just things. yells. <laughs> I also do really like the scene where Evie is like trying to put the book away in the beginning. Oh, and just yeah. knocks the entire knocks library the entire... to pieces. Yeah, that one's a good one. Um, I made a note uh, saying, "What's your favorite running gag?" And I think we both agree it's anytime Benny gets the crap anytime, out of him. Yeah. Anytime Benny gets thrown by Rick specifically, he like throws him across the room. He throws him off the boat. Yeah. He, does all kinds of stuff. Um, how many times have you seen this movie? I don't know that I can actually tell you a number. Um, a lot. I used to have it on VHS. Mm. Um, so a lot. Like this, this was something I used to watch like every weekend as a kid. Um, so very many. 
Yeah, I've seen this movie a bunch. Um, I'm trying to think when I first saw it. I couldn't even like tell you. I had to have, it had to have been shortly after it was released on VHS. So I that's think. A, I think we rented it. Good segue. It, yeah. Um, do you know what your first experience was? I think my first experience watching it, I was at a sleepover at my cousin's house, and like when I was a kid, we had I'm one of like four nieces, uh-huh. so like my aunt would would have like all of us come over and like stay the night for the weekend. Okay. So I think we watched it at, in her basement. Okay. And I was very scared because. That uh, this movie, I think, is the reason I'm so afraid of bugs. Got it. Um, my first experience was like a movie night with my parents. Mm-hmm. It was probably like two or three years after it came out, um, and it was it was in Florida, so like not I was uh, yeah maybe nine ten okay. Um, and I so we went to Blockbuster. My sister was like, "Let's get this." I've heard such good things about it. However, on our DVD for Ten Things I Hate About You, there was a mummy. Like, preview, but it was the preview to the horror mummy. Didn't we, like, try and look up what movie that was at one point? I can't, we couldn't find it, but there was, like, a preview to it, and that movie was fucking terrifying. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was the movie we were watching, I was like, I don't want to watch this. Um, and was not looking forward to it, my sister was like, it's not the same movie, she had to convince me that it wasn't, and, because she also, like, remembers seeing the preview during the the VHS part where you have to like watch the trailer before the movie actually starts. Oh, I forgot that was a thing we used to have to do. Yeah, like usually we just like fast forward through, but we would sometimes. Didn't we find out? Wasn't it called like Revenge of the Mummy or something? something? Like I think we found it. I think we did find it because it was like really scary. Because I watched the we watched the trailer in your kitchen. You and I did. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, We did eventually find it, but we watched that together, and then my sister and I like immediately became obsessed with it. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then rented the second one, and then we eventually bought them, and it was, like, our thing. We would watch it constantly, and just, like, quote it to each other all the time. Yeah, um, I wrote down a couple of questions while we were watching, so I do have to say, we watched this last week, and drank a 13% stout while watching it, so my notes are very bad. Um, I think my favorite note that I wrote down is... Why do all the white people wear beige? <laughs> that was what we talked about. They yeah. all wear like beige and white, and then um, anybody that's not white is wearing like black. Yeah, well, the Magi all wear black, right? But like, yeah, all the white people are like it's like it's like white colonialism. That's what we, said. we also said that it reminded us of Westworld because they have the India world. Yeah, or whatever. that is what it. We did talk about yeah. that. Um, we also talked about how, like, the only time there is anybody black in the movie, it's in the beginning, and they're, like, the, um... They're the original Magi. Yeah. Yeah, they're the Magi that, like, do the, the bad curse on Emotep. Yep. Also, um... This movie is very white, and, like, some we're, Egyptians. Yeah, it's mostly white people. It's mostly white people pretending to be Egyptian. Yeah. Um, we're... Oh, I wanted to look this up. I might do this right now. Were people ever actually really mummified alive? Do we know if that was like a real thing? So I actually read something about this. Technically, Emotep was never mummified. He was got. He wasn't like he didn't have like his mummification yeah. performed on him. He was just like essentially buried alive. Yeah, they wrapped. I him read something alive. about how there's like an original script. Uh-huh. Or, like, one of the, the original scripts for this version of it uh-huh. explains, um, like, what happened to him Got while it. he was mummified. 
and like not while he was mummified, but like while he was buried. And so like it kind of explains the scarab part. So like these scarabs have been locked up in a tomb essentially mm-hmm. for thousands of years, mm-hmm. and somehow like without food, and somehow like they are reanimated and come back. And it explains it in that. He was buried alive with them. Right. And some of them, like, lodged themselves into his throne and ate him. Oh. And because of that, the curse was passed along to them, and that's how the scarabs are, like, still alive. Got it. Well, I know this, it started with the scarabs, like, on the wall. Right. And I assume that was just part of the curse. Yeah, like, so opening that they, chest to get the black book. Yeah, I think that's how they described it as, like, the scarabs are cursed because Got they it. ate him. Um... Can we talk about why the Book of the Dead brings the dead back to life, and then the Book of the Living brings them, puts them back to being dead? I don't know. It's a bit of an oxymoron. Yeah, they, I think that they talked about they talk about it in the movie how it doesn't really make sense. They're like, yeah, if the Book of the Dead brings back the dead, then the Book of the Living must kill them. Yeah, they get because it feels like two things that the Book of the Dead should be able to do. Yeah, um, I don't know. I also thought it was really interesting that they, um, cause the key to unlock the book of the dead was in his, was it in his sarcophagus or was it in the, cause they had to have the key, right? Oh no, no they Rick found had it. it. Yeah. Rick had it. it. That's right. There. And the, the, uh, map yep. to Hamanoptera was inside yeah. the key. They don't really explain where it was. No. He just like, found like, it when he was in a battle somewhere. or something. Yeah. And that's when they first discover Hominoptera. Um, I did actually find out that mum- the mummy has its own Wikipedia page called Wikipedia. Stop. And um, I did God, find Brandon out. Brandon Fraser used to be so hot. That's George of the Jungle hot, man. I know. He used to be so fucking hot. So this has a lot of information about Rick O'Connell, and it's hilarious. Like, way more than you would ever want. Interesting. So he's supposed to be from Chicago. Oh, I didn't know that. He was born in 1902, and um, he's from he's from Chicago, and he was a colonel in the French Foreign Legion, which actually is total nonsense because that's not a thing that can happen. Like the French Foreign Legion cannot have Americans that high up. So that brings up a good point um, because we we should talk about like when this movie takes place. Oh yeah, so. <laughs> Good call. Um, it's like in the 40s some I think 1920-something? Oh, yeah. Did we look this up? Uh, 1926. Yeah, so it takes place in the 20s, which I think at the time... You thought it took place in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I couldn't... I, I don't know. They had, like, really well-running cars, and I don't think that was a thing in the 20s. I don't know. Have you seen Great Gatsby? That's supposed to be the 20s, and they that's have true. super bougie cars. Yeah, that's true. But it's also Egypt in the 20s. I mean, that's fair. That's, I think the car part was in London. Mm-mm, still in Egypt. Oh, I thought they They were... don't go to London at any point in this. Oh, it's in the next one. Yeah. I forgot but about that. But in the next one, they're on like a double-decker bus. That's true. That, no, I do remember that. So now. like, there's a reason why I thought it took place in the 80s, and it was like the technology oh, was yeah. just like, insane. Um, I want to say that there was, like, a color TV in the second one. Um, well, the second one's quite a few years after, because... It's not, like, 20 years after. Yeah, because they have the kid. Um, the kid's not 20 years old. Can we talk about how Evie is, like, constantly being randomly sexually assaulted? Um, yes. So, I mean, there's nothing really to say other than... No, like, 
like she is constantly being random, se- randomly sexually assaulted, and it's weird. Yeah, to watch. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I also wrote down as a kid, I was way more afraid of quicksand. <laughs> I think we all were. Like that was like a super irrational fear I had, and I wrote I that down like during saw, the scene. With I saw the a plane. meme that it was like. I was way more afraid of quicksand than I should ever should have been, and something like that. Um, and it's true. <laughs> I thought I would encounter quicksand more often than I actually have, which yeah. zero. <laughs> yeah, it's been zero times. Zero times. Um, there's a lot of really fun, like, overly Americanized stereotypes in oh this movie, God, yeah. and it is so funny. Everyone's a gunslinger. Well, the best part is that the Americans are Texans, so they pick, oh, yeah. like, the one that they can yeah. stereotype. Oh, yeah, they all are, like gunslingers and they shoot like a hundred bullets every time they shoot yeah they and the all one guy's like got like the gun where he's like hitting the back of it oh yeah <laughs> and they're literally just like they have guns coming out of nowhere <laughs> yep um we're like where do you keep getting these guns from yeah um that one was and then of one. course um the guy with the glasses where like his glasses fall off and he just can't see anything <laughs> that was something that we talked about too because like i don't know anybody that like your glasses fall off and you literally cannot see anything. Like you can see shapes and stuff, yeah. like blurry stuff, but yeah, that was like, wild. He's like, can someone help me find my glasses? And I'm like, dude, you can see that there's a mummy in front of you. Yeah. That was a very stereotypical moment. Oh, yeah. Um, that's part of our drinking game. Yep. <laughs> I also wrote down, Jonathan drinking and shooting is my spirit animal. Because he's just drinking the entire time. Jonathan drinking is my favorite. Because he's like, there was an there was a scene where he's like pouring a shot yeah. of whiskey and he's like trying to drink it, but somebody just keeps taking it from him. Yeah, <laughs> and he's just like, what the fuck? I'm trying to get drunk here. Yeah, he uh, he's great. Um, favorite character, Jonathan. Yeah, for sure. For me, it's Jonathan with Benny in close second. Benny's Benny is really funny. <laughs> Benny as a character is trash, but his jokes are funny. Oh, it's... Like, the things that happen... That's what it's supposed to be, though. Like, he's obviously, like, an awful character, but it's... It's just so funny. The only way to make him likable is because they had to make him an idiot. Yeah. Like, it's funny. My other favorite scene, um, and this is just because it's continued to the second one, and I obviously haven't seen, um, the Dragon Emperor or... Was there one after that? Well, the Tom Cruise one came out. Yeah. Fuck that one. Um, but when he's trying to read from the Book of the Living... Um, or when Jonathan's trying to read from the Book of the Living, and he's, like, saying, he's saying, um, like, a spell, essentially, mm-hmm. and he doesn't finish it, and all of the, um, mummies come to life, like, yeah. the warrior mummies, and, um, Emotep is, like, thanks. Yeah. But then, as he's reading, like, trying to finish it, he's, like, I don't know what this last one, it looks like it's a bird, a star, <laughs> and, um, Evie is, like, incapacitated, and, like, trying to, like, call out what it is. Yeah. Um, but in the second one, the kid does the same thing. Oh, And it's yeah. Jonathan. That's, like, saying what it is. Yeah, and he's also incapacitated. Yeah. <laughs> he says, it's a bird, a stork. Yeah, that is good. Oh, I hate that fucking kid in the second movie. Oh, that kid is the fucking worst. <laughs> okay, um, I found something else really interesting, um, so, uh, in doing research for this, we actually found a lot of really interesting facts about, like, things that happened during this movie, and just different things yeah. that, beyond, like, how it came to be. Um, so, the role of Rick O'Connell was offered to Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, Matt Damon, 
and Ben Affleck, and then Brendan Fraser. Wow, that's that's and insulting. They, they only they only him. casted him because George of the Jungle had just come out. Got it. And so it was super popular at the time. So they yeah. were like, he works. He could be like a adventure type guy. Yeah. Also, he was hot. Yeah, he was looking real good. He's had, he's had some ups and downs. Yeah. Um, I also found out that Rachel Vice um, is married to Daniel Craig. Super hot James Bond, Daniel Craig. I did Craig. not know that. Yeah. Uh, she also has, she has one child with Darren Aronofsky, and then her other child's with Daniel Craig. Got it. And they, I was like, she's pulling James Bond. She's also gorgeous. She's super hot, too. She was also the only person that did not, that did not she have an audition. audition. Yeah, they just offered it straight out to her. I was trying to see what else she was in prior to The Mummy, but it was nothing that was like recognizable enough to the point where I would be like... Yeah, just offer her the role. Like we know she can act. Like I, I didn't see anything that was like, recognizable enough for that. Uh, let's get into some other fun stuff okay. about like what happened during this. So, um, they actually filmed this in Morocco and not Egypt because at the time when they were filming, there was a lot of like civil political, unrest and yeah. like political issues they mm-hmm. didn't want to be involved in. Yeah, I read something about how it would have been like really expensive to like get the like. To get like safety crew, like to yeah. have, I don't know, like, the, the right kind defense of defense and like, yeah. security, and then yeah. to be able to ship a lot of the stuff there would yeah. be expensive. So they just figured Morocco, Morocco's version of the Sahara, was. I mean, it works. Yeah. Um, also, so to prevent out um, getting dehydrated, the cast and crew had to drink this, like drink every two hours i don't know what was in it but from what i could tell it was absolutely disgusting and everyone hated having to do it but it was the only thing they could drink to prevent getting dehydrated out because they were filming Uh in the desert yeah so um there were sandstorms almost every single day that they were filming and that actually significantly delayed a lot of the production several crew members had to be airlifted out after being bitten or stung by like snakes snakes spiders scorpions i um so on the note of the sandstorm I saw something really interesting you know the scene where um Emotep has like or they're flying the plane and Emotep's um got like a sandstorm behind them there's a point where they cut to his face very quickly they're like showing a body shot and they cut to his face really quickly yeah because his like bottoms Uh like his tunic essentially because he doesn't wear anything yeah it's just something that covers his like front and back kept blowing up (laughs) showing his ass (laughs) Awesome. They had to cut to his face because, like, it was happening constantly. Oh my gosh, that's actually really funny. Um, so this is kind of morbid, but um, Brendan Fraser almost died in the scene where Rick yeah. gets hung, so he stopped breathing and had to be resuscitated. Yeah, they filmed that that scene. They actually, I think, filmed like twice because uh-huh. he almost died the second time. Got it? Because they they leave him there for a little bit, a good amount yeah. of time. Yeah. Um. I also think something went wrong with uh, when they were filming it, and that's why that happened. Because normally that's not, like, a real issue people run into, like, almost dying like that. Yeah. Um, the cast had kidnapping insurance taken out on them. I read that, yeah. And they, they weren't. Know. They didn't know until yeah. after they were done that there was insurance taken out on them in case yep. they were kidnapped. Um, I read something really interesting about how they purposely built a lot of the sets by hand. So, like, a lot of the structures that you see are uh-huh. hand-built. Oh, um, cool. Instead of, like, getting CGI or anything like that. So, like, 
they spent a lot of money doing that to make it look more realistic. And yeah. That's really cool. Um, so the library disaster, the scene that I was talking about where Evelyn destroys the mm-hmm. library, they did that in one take because it would have taken them a full day to rebuild everything. Right. So I thought that was really cool. Um, I also found out that Leonardo DiCaprio really wanted to play Rick O'Connell. Really? But he um, was already committed to filming the movie The Beach that came out in the year 2000. Um, and he actually was trying to get the beach to be delayed and like push it so that he could be in the mummy. Cause he, he read the script and wanted to do it so badly. Okay. Um, and then I wrote that Brendan Fraser was specifically cast because of George, the jungle coming out at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so like you were a lo- similar to like the way you were saying, like the sets were bit built by hand and they put the effort in to do that. This movie had some really groundbreaking special effects at that time. Yeah. So I, I found it interesting that you were saying they were trying to avoid using CGI. Well, but I think they, they were trying to avoid using CGI on like, like the sets. This, yeah, the scenic aspect of mm-hmm. it to make it look more realistic. Yeah. Um, so $15 million of the $80 million budget went directly to special effects on this. Um, they completely changed... The way the mummy was kind of looking, yes, just, you know, obviously because they didn't want it to be too close to the original. Um, they it took them three months to design what the actual mummy was going to look like before they were even like going into principal photography. Um, honestly, the CGI holds up pretty well for it. Being, it like, really in the 90s. does. It's they, not like it doesn't look shitty. So they used motion capture, and then this was one of the first films where they did the thing, I don't know what's called, the, dots the red the dots, face. yeah, because yeah. like obviously like... To capture like the facial recognition, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so this was like the fir- one of the first movies they did that in. Um, they used, so live action and computer graphics, they matched the digital prosthetic makeup pieces on the actor's face to um, obviously do the special effects. Um... They said it was really difficult to do because obviously it hadn't really been done. It had been done before, but not to the extent that they were trying to do it with this. And they were saying it was the actor's very first time doing it. So like the red tracking lights for the special effects. Um, he describes it as spending a lot of time walking around looking like a Christmas tree. Got it. Um, I found something else really interesting along those lines, though. Um, the average cost per shot was $125,000. For the CGI? Yeah. they did? Got it. That's special crazy. effects. Yeah, that's where they were, they used so much money. I mean, now that's done so much easier, but like, you gotta yeah. remember, they but were filming they... this in like 97, 98. Yep. Um, I can't remember his name. The Magi guy? Oh, I can't think of the actor's name, but the main Magi character. Yeah, was he like... was supposed to be uh, head-to-toe tattoos. But the director said he was way too attractive for that. Yeah. So they just gave him two small face tattoos. Yeah. Which he's is not very, wrong. He's very attractive. Yeah. Um, let's move into the ride. Oh, real, real quick. quick. I was going to say. Uh, so the cast members, because of, like, all these bad things were happening when they were filming, which would be people having to be airlifted out, the weather issues. Um, some of the actors thought the movie was cursed. And the film actually during the premiere snapped in the oh, broke. Wow. So they thought the movie was cursed, which I think is kind of where the premise of the ride came from. This is cursed. That is cursed. Yeah. Everything is cursed. One other quick thing. So this movie grossed $43 million opening weekend, and it grossed 
$415 million worldwide. Oh, wow. Yeah, this movie was very successful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, what else did I make note of? Um, it was nominated for an Oscar for Best Sound Editing, and it was nominated for an MTV Movie Award for the Best Action Sequence, and it didn't win either. That's not surprising. No, it's not surprising at all. Um, quickly, other adaptations. So the Mummy Returns sequel came out in 2001, and it said that uh, Universal called Stephen Sums uh, and uh, On the Day... The movie was released, and they're like, why don't we do another one? Like, cool. we need another one right now. Yeah. Um, there was an animated series, which used to be on WB Kids, and it used to play, like, right before Jackie Chan Adventures, and okay. I totally remember watching that. I did not watch that. Um, they did the Scorpion King movies, which are bad, and that is The Rock. Yeah. And then I also said Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, and then The Roller Coaster. Yeah. Which is the best part the of best the Mummy franchise. The best part of the franchise, yeah. The Revenge of the Mummy, is the name of the ride, um, opened on May 21st of 2004 in Orlando, and then it opened June 25th of 2004 in Hollywood, and then they actually opened a third one March of 2010 at Universal Studios Singapore. Okay. So, um, there's two storylines, so Singapore and Orlando have the same storyline, and then Hollywood has its own, it's a totally different ride. Okay. Um, really cool thing, in 2004 when the ride opened, the ride was so popular that the lines would like stretch way into the park, and like that line is a huge waiting area, like yeah. indoors, but... Well, so yeah, it has a huge waiting area, but I don't think I've ever waited more than like 15, 20 Yeah, minutes. I haven't either. Um, um, but that makes sense because it was like super popular, so they have to make it. Yeah, but so the crowd would go emo tap, like, <laughs> like the hypnotized people. Yeah, like, that's funny. Yeah, so they would do that, um, just like the hypnotized town folks in the movie. And I thought, I'm like, that's funny. That is funny. People were very dedicated to the that movie. That movie's great. Yeah. So yeah, I get it. Um, the ride in Orlando is based off of basically the, the film being cursed. Yeah. So as you go through the line, there are TVs where you see, um, that like, but they're doing interviews essentially about how it's cursed. Yeah. So the story of that is that, um, the, the movie is cursed and it's how the different cat, like crew members and cast members are responding to the cursed. And the entire idea is that Brendan Fraser refuses to wear the Magi symbol after being warned about the curse. And then he ends up stealing a crew member symbol, uh-huh. who is the PA that you see on the ride. So um, after he refused to get caught, he's no one will bring him coffee yep. because he won't wear the symbol. Yep. And I didn't know that was a thing, but apparently either. if you're in line long enough, you see that as part of the storyline. Interesting. Like in the... Um, th- there's a ton of Easter eggs in this. Yeah. If you go through it enough times and look. Um, so yeah, there's a PA that's missing mm-hmm. and it's like, he's mummified. And as you go through the ride, like the beginning of it, he goes like, are you, are, are you, what insane? are you insane? The curse. It's, it's real. real. <laughs> We've um, rode this ride too many times, guys. But if at the end of it, when you get off and you're going before you go through the store, uh-huh. there is a like missing sign. Oh and yeah. It's like missing this PA, yeah. and you don't, like, if you go on it enough times, you, like, start to notice yeah. some little Easter Well, eggs. apparently in the scene where Brendan Fraser steals his Magi symbol, uh-huh. there's, like, a scene in the background of him, like, tripping and falling into a tomb, oh. and that's why he's the one that's on the Interesting. ride. Yeah. Yeah, we've never gotten that. We've, I've never been in line long enough for that. Um, um, I do really like the old woman that's, like, the... 
She senses danger. Yeah. Um, we, what else did I get? So we wrote that 16 times. Yeah. We did get to a point where we knew the timing. Oh, man. we knew... We have the entire script memorized. Pretty much. Um, <laughs> we would... We would go through and, like, Joe would be like, if somebody calls me insane right now, I'm going to fucking lose it. I'm feeling very fragile, like, right before I lit the money. Oh, call. yeah. Oh, those, those <laughs> we were employees were like so sick of us because <laughs> we just wrote it so many times in a row. We actually got it to the point, because there was no line, from you get on the ride, like, sitting in the cart, ride it, run downstairs through the store, run back through the yep. line, get to the front of the line, six minutes. All right, let's do a California ride. Yeah, okay. Um, one more quick thing. So someone actually died on the mummy ride. Oh, wow. He, well, he fell from where the low, you know where you go to like get onto the actual roller coaster okay. cart? He fell, it's like a four foot drop, uh-huh. and he fell and ruptured his spleen. And uh, he died the following morning when uh, they were trying to remove his spleen because it was ruptured. Oh, wow. So technically, that ride is cursed. Apparently. Someone died. And he was trying, apparently he was trying to board the front row, and that's how he fell off. And I was like, shit, I ride that front row so many times. (laughs) Yeah, we did. It it got to a point where, like, we're going to wait, like, let's wait the extra minute to get in the front row, because it's so fast. Yeah, it goes by so quickly. Yeah, the ride itself. There was was a point where we're like, the timing's off. We were riding once, and we're like, the timing (gasps) is off Yes! We were moving, the cart was moving faster than, like, the... Yeah, uh, every, everything around us. Like yeah. you, we, we could like see everything going. Like, it wasn't like super like noticeable, except for people that had been on it fifteen times in a row. <laughs> and yeah. we were just like, "Hmm, this is off, <laughs> weird." <laughs> Ooh, that this shouldn't happen. Um, okay, so I have never written this, but I thought the storyline of it was really interesting. Um, so the ride itself is supposed to be set in nineteen forty four. The riders, you go through a museum entrance and you get some background on Emotep and you enter the building corridor and there's traps throughout. So like in the Orlando one, like there's traps that you can set off on okay. other people, but this one, they just randomly go off Okay. because you're supposed to be going through like a tomb. Okay. So like you're the one going through, um, you see the book of the dead, you see the mummified man in a sarcophagus and other mummified remains of people that Emotep sucked their souls out. Um, the building turns into a tomb and you find an archaeolo- an abandoned archaeological dig, which is actually Emotep's chamber, and you see a pictogram of him chasing guests. And then you load. Um, so it starts with you're in a dark tomb with fluorescent lights, and the mummy comes to life and hisses at all the riders. Um, someone warns the guests to run for your lives, the curse is real, Emotep is alive, and then scarabs eat him. Um... The mine car continues through the chamber as you get dropped, water drops on you, and uh, all of a sudden, mummy, mummified arms come out of the walls to like grab at the riders okay. and like through the ceiling. And um, then you go through the treasure room, similar setup to the Orlando one, where it tells you, sir, for all eternity, whatever. Um, and then the souls are mine. You drop down on the roller coaster. Um, and then it says the grand gallery starts to collapse after this is right after they say your Oh, he says your souls belong to me forever. Not your souls are mine. No, or with your souls. <laughs> I shall rule for all eternity. He says, serve me and savor riches of eternal life and join us in eternal death. 
That's what he says. That's similar to what he says in the... Um, in Orlando, he says, serve me and you'll have riches beyond your wildest dreams. Yeah. Um, or, I forget what he says immediately. I can't remember what he says immediately after either. Um, it sounds great, though. Yeah, it sounds really cool. I'd love to go to Universal Hollywood. Um, the one thing that is not there in this one that I is my one of my favorite parts of the Orlando ride is where like you come to a really hard stop uh-huh, and, and then, then it's like saying like something about like time to get off riders and then like the glass breaks yeah. and Evo taps up there like yeah. that's my favorite part and the ceiling lights on fire yeah and then it goes then it to goes the to the actual, camera yeah yeah um, I just randomly remembered like <laughs> maybe like ride eight or nine. But, <laughs> um, we go through and Joe just starts screaming like, ah! yeah. <laughs> completely wild. We, we like eventually, over the top. <laughs> we eventually got to the point where we were just being obnoxious on that ride. Yeah, we felt bad for everyone that was with us. Yeah. But honestly, it's like a six time. minute time to go back, so yeah. it didn't fucking matter. Yeah. We also were being real big assholes at one point. We would stand there waiting to blow air at people as they walked by. <laughs> yeah, we I feel like you can go ahead. <laughs> we're gonna fuck with these people. Yeah, no. We would stand there and like, because you can see in a mirror, yeah, like, where the timing was. Yeah, and yeah, we, we watched some people <laughs> jump real hard. I was like, oh, we're gonna get some bad karma for this. <laughs> Someone's gonna do it to me real bad. Uh, yeah, but like the thing is, we know where it is. Oh it's yeah, for people that haven't been on it before. Yeah, I know. I actually, it took me a long time to be able to go on that ride. It's dark. Yeah, it's dark. Um, so I talked about in the last episode that I have a lot of issues with like not being able to see and like claustrophobia. claustrophobia. And I I actually because I thought I thought the ride itself was going to be scary. Mm-hmm. Like so I, the first time I went to Universal, I was like uh, I was a senior in co- uh, high school. We went for my spring break uh-huh. to go see the Harry Potter park. Um, and I had heard it was like a scary ride, and that was when I, I'm like I don't like dark rides. Like yeah. So I looked up what the ride was, and I was like, ooh, nope, can't ride it. But then Steve and I went for my birthday a few years ago, and I fell in love with it. I yeah, was obsessed. Great. I love it. Yeah. We, uh, the first time I went on it was, like, my first time in a Universal thing as an adult. And I was never, like, or, yeah, I was never a big fan of Universal. It was always Islands of Adventure for me. And that was my first time. I've ne- My first time ever going to Universal was, like, when I was 20, maybe. Okay. Um, and it was like, the shortest line, and me and my sister and my brother-in-law were just like, let's just go on this. I, like, we love the mummy. It's a yeah. short fucking ride. And we went through, and then we rode it, like, five more times. That's yeah. great. <laughs> so like, this is so great. And yeah. it is. It's a great ride. Ugh. I want to go ride it 16 more times again I right now. <laughs> All right. Do you have anything else for this episode? No. Uh, I think with our discussion of the ride, I think that wraps it up. Yeah. Um, go to Orlando. Ride the ride. 16 times. 16 times. We were going for 30, right? (laughs) 30 was the attempt. Well, not even the attempt. Joe just threw the number 30 out there. And then immediately we're assholes, so we were like, yup, that's (laughs) what we're doing. We did ride it like, I want to say we rode it like nine times in one of those days, or like six times in one of the days, and then the other days it started to like taper off. Yeah. But we rode it a bunch of times in one day. Yeah. All right. um, Cool. Stay tuned for final thoughts. And we will see you next time. So this week for final thoughts, um, while Stephanie and I were re-watching The Mummy, um, 
we came up with a drinking game for it, so we're going to share that with you guys. Also, it's not very well thought out, because it kind of just... It'll fuck you up, honestly. I mean, yeah. <laughs> the drinking game is to drink anytime anything happens ever, as essentially Basically. what it's turned into. <laughs> Basically. And it's very sloppy, because we literally were writing this down as we were watching, and we were pretty drunk at this point, so... Yep. Okay, so, first one I wrote was, take a Malort shot anytime Benny gets thrown. Spoiler, he gets thrown a lot. <laughs> yeah, he does. Um, drink every time they say the same line in Arabic, just in different contexts. Yeah. It's the same thing over and over again. It yep. doesn't really have any meaning. Um, drink whenever Jonathan drinks. Also, he does it a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, Drink whenever there's an overly American stereotype. <laughs> I forgot about some of these. There's a lot of those, too. There's a lot of those. Um, finish your drink whenever Rick screams at a monster after the monster screams at him first. Yeah. <laughs> um, drink every time they mention the black book. Because they always keep calling it the black book. Yeah. Um, and then drink every time there's a raw sexual moment between Rick and Evie. So basically, you're dead at the end of this game. <laughs> That's how it works. Yeah, you get fucked up on this yep. game. Uh, we have not tried it yet, but... Uh, we will. We will. And, and we'll report back. Yeah. <laughs> we'll report back on how many beers that we drink. Oh, yeah. A good and idea. Lord shots. Oof, yeah. <laughs> Oof. My insides hurt already thinking about it. <laughs> All right, cool. So that is the episode. Yeah. Um, we really hope you enjoyed the show. Um Tell your friends, tell your mom, tell your mom's your friends. <laughs> um, your kids. About don't us. Tell your kids. Don't, don't tell your kids. Um, please go online and give us a review, give us some ratings, talk to us. Yep. We might read if you uh, leave a good one, or anyone, because we don't have any reviews. We will read it on the show. Any new reviews. We don't have any new reviews. We That's have true. reviews. We have some. Some. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Alright, that was the episode. So we love hearing from you, um, and if you want to contact us, you can do so through our email address. It is drunkanduncultured at gmail.com. We are also on Facebook at Drunk and Uncultured Podcast. Our Instagram is Drunk and Uncultured. And our Twitter is Drunk Uncultured. No ant. And as always, I'm Lindsay, and you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and untapped at Lindsay Sold Out. And I'm Stephanie, and you can find me on Untapped, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr as underscore Stephen Color. And you can also follow my concert Instagram at Shitty Concert Blog. Stay drunk, guys. See you next time.